All right, guys, welcome in today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we look at uh, what SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey had to say uh, about lots of different topics surrounding uh, the cancellation of uh, spring sports uh, moving forward for the academic year, uh, as well as a lot of other things on eligibility, uh, spring football practice, uh, and, and lots of other stuff uh, surrounding uh, the coronavirus uh, situation and how it has affected the SEC. Um, but uh, he did hold a teleconference uh, on Wednesday morning uh, with the media, and uh, as you would expect, there were lots of questions uh, surrounding some of the decisions that were made, um, some of the decisions that are going to have to be made here moving forward uh, when we talk about um, all the different sports in the SEC uh, and when it comes to uh, you know athlete eligibility and these other topics that, that have already been brought up uh, on a national level and no doubt are being brought up uh, at each you know conference level. I'm sure all the commissioners uh, in different conferences are getting the same types of questions as uh, you know it's not just the SEC or these conferences that are going to have big decisions to make. But it's also the NCAA and how it's going to affect uh, programs all across the nation uh, when it comes to, again, eligibility, um, the actual you know return to games uh, and all of that. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But Greg Sankey started the teleconference uh, just talking about the decision itself to cancel uh, all sports through the academic year uh, and how that you know has played out to this point and the decisions that they continue uh, to make a- as they look forward um, which you know again it, it's not just I think just thinking about the actual sports and the games are going to be played I know lots of people were focusing in on baseball and softball uh, there are other sports that, that go along with that um, but also you know it ties into some of these things like pro days uh, for, for football and I think he he talked about that in terms of you know the effect of that because you're not going to have spring football games um, you know those were all canceled as well and you know you're not going to be able to have those usual pro days that we're talking about um, you know when it comes to, to players that, that are preparing for the NFL draft um, and so those as we know usually held uh, on campuses but uh, that won't be the case this season and, and again the other thing that goes along with it is spring practice, um, and he was asked about that, as you would expect, um, about you know where do things stand on on spring football practice, and um, here's what he had to say about that. A, a couple of different items uh, that stood out, I think, in his response uh, about the spring practice. Uh, quote: It does not apply to spring practices at this time, and I think that's the important qualifying phrase. We have said no athletic activities through April fifteenth. That doesn't mean we'll be back to normal or to practice activities April 16th. It was just a date that allows our administrators to communicate with our coaches, our coaches with their student athletes, uh, end quote. And he went on to talk about just, you know, how the, the limitations, uh, the recommendations nationally in terms of, of the public gatherings and all that uh, affected that that where things stand right now based on those recommendations. Uh, and he, as he said, quote, if you look at the national public messaging about no gatherings above 50, uh, certainly difficult to conduct any football practice under that limitation. And even with smaller numbers, it had been communicated 10, as often referenced, thereby making it impossible into May, uh, has been stated. So I'm not going to be overly optimistic about the return to practice. We haven't fully foreclosed that opportunity, but I think that practically that window is pretty narrow, end quote. So 
again, you, you hear that and, and, and he just plain said it, you know, he, he's trying to be optimistic, but can't be overly optimistic in terms of uh, looking at, at how this could play out for spring practice. And I think we all know just watching this, this entire situation uh, play out, you know, the return to, to athletic activities on April the 15th at this point, that's less than a month away, um, is seemingly very, very unlikely. And, and you heard him say that in talking about just the, the window to do that. Um, so while he's not going to completely say that just yet, because they do have, you know, that April 15th date right now as the point where they're not going to have any athletic, athletic activities through that, I think everyone's really pretty much understands um, what that means in terms of uh, how it's going to affect uh, spring football practice and the chances of, of their bringing football practice on April the 16th at this point. Uh, again, very, very unlikely uh, just based on you know the, the national health recommendations and uh, just knowing that uh, the SEC is going to, to be in the same spot as all these other conferences when it comes to um, you know making that decision and the fact that I just don't think we're, we're at a point right now uh, where we're just going to see teams back on the field uh, less than a month away here. It just, it just again, seems seems like something that, that's probably not going to be the case, and, and I think his answer there to that, he doesn't necessarily think that either, which will, you know, impact uh, the, the entire process for teams as, the, as they try to prepare, you know, for the start of college football season. And again, we don't know when that's going to be at this point. It's easy to, to probably look up and say, well, you would expel, still expect the season to start as normal, um, you know, in September, but uh, is that actually going to be the case? Um, we don't know. And I think that, you know, just, just the aspect of practice, uh, you know, teams have to prepare for the season. Uh, but if we don't exactly know if the season's going to start uh, as is, um, you know, it's it's hard to tell whether or not, you know, what things are going to look like from a practice perspective, uh, just because, you know, I think as more of these dates continue to get pushed back, um, then you're talking about, well, what decisions have to be made uh, in terms of, of starting the season? Uh, because, you know, teams want to, to be able to have their preparation for the season um, and and exactly, you know, what, what then becomes, um, you know, the, the normal process in terms of preparing for the start of the season. And he did uh, answer a question on that, and we'll get to that uh, here later on because uh, kind of just going through these uh, basically in the order of the teleconference because it was kind of all over the place in terms of uh, the questions, but uh, you, you would, you know, understand at this point that uh, he's probably getting asked these questions on a daily basis, not just from media members, uh, but from others as well in terms of how the SEC moves forward. One of the other questions uh, he had early on in the teleconference is about the financial impact. Again, he, he made it pretty clear that, that that was not even a consideration right now in terms of uh, thinking about, you know, the impact financially on on having all these these events canceled and all that. Um, and that pretty much uh, his answer w- was, again, um, not anything out of the ordinary in terms of uh, just knowing that there are going to be, you know, revenue implications when it comes to this. Um, and but the SEC, I mean, we, we know we understand um, the financial uh, strengths of the SEC and, and the deal with the SEC network um, and all the other things that, that come along with that. Uh, but uh, his basically his answer was, you know what, we'll make adjustments um, and we know there are going to be impacts, but we'll make adjustments just like everyone else is doing. Um, so uh, not really something they're focused on right now. Uh, the, the health situation, uh, much more important uh, than the, the financial impact at this point for the SEC. But um, coming up, uh, we'll get into some of the other things uh, he had to talk about on the teleconference, which, uh, one, had to do with eligibility, not just for uh, the athletes in spring sports, but also 
for the athletes uh, in winter sports. And uh, again, some of the other stuff about football teams. And we'll get into that uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And a lot of the other questions uh, for SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey uh, had to do with eligibility because uh, that's what we've talked about a lot uh, since uh, you know the NCAA tournament was canceled. Um, there were lots of people talking about, okay, well, you're canceling the tournament. Um, these players didn't get a chance to, to play in their conference tournaments or get the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament because they got canceled. Um, how do you address eligibility in that scenario? Um, and I know John Rothstein tweeted out uh, you know, his report from sources that the, that the NCAA was not going to grant an extra year of eligibility for winter sport athletes, which was, again, the, the main question um, about those who were denied the opportunity to play in their conference tournaments or NCAA tournament despite playing the entire season. Um, and so that led to a lot of questions. You know, the NCAA is ultimately going to, to make this decision in terms of um, whether these athletes are eligible and all that. But uh, Greg Sankey was asked about it a lot. And it started with the spring athletes getting an extra year of eligibility uh, based on having their entire seasons canceled. And so he was asked uh, about spring athletes getting an extra year of eligibility. And here's what he had to say on that. Quote, I'm certainly open to that. I've seen the national messaging. I actually printed about eight pages of analysis from our conference compliance staff. Myself and my colleagues have had just preliminary discussions about what this might mean. I know among the conferences, there's conversations as well. Uh, You know, the first read is that's an appropriate step. From my perspective, yet we have to understand the full set of implications, and I hope we'll move through those rapidly because I think one of the assets for our young people is knowing definitively what their eligibility status will be going forward. I do not want to say I don't think this is simply a senior issue. Everybody in our programs, particularly spring sports, had their season disrupted, so my encouragement is we take a broad look at what type of opportunities we offer going forward, end quote. Um, So, yeah, and like he said, and I think that's something to keep in mind, too. I think it's very easy probably to just say, you know, this is going to be something as easy as saying, okay, we're going to grant everyone an extra year of eligibility and be done with it. There are a lot of things logistically that are going to play into this. And as he said, there are going to be uh, implications one way or the other, no matter what you decide on this. And I think that we have to keep that in mind. I don't think this is a process that is going to be just as easy as them saying, okay, we're going to grant that extra year of eligibility. Um, that's why these guys are, are in the, the positions that they're in is because they have to, to, you know, to play a role in making these hard decisions. And that, where, again, goes back up to the NCAA level uh, in terms of, of they you know have years and years of experience, the people that are making these decisions um, and understanding how it's going to affect uh, you know the entire landscape uh, when it comes to, to college sports and, and you know you know how does it what what are the implications for the rosters and um, you know recruiting and all that and you've got you've got so many different uh, layers to this and I know we keep saying that but but it's the truth I mean it's it's not just a simple answer uh, I think on that and you know that's that's where I think if you're you're having the discussion about eligibility spring versus winter sport athletes um, I think he made that pretty clear that 
they were trying to to really um, you know focus in on on the spring sport part of this right now um, not to say that they're ignoring the the winter athlete part of it which we'll get to a quote from him in just a second on that uh, but he did you know pretty much make it clear that that they were trying to figure this out as quickly as they could because they do want you know these athletes to to know what their status is because you know once we do return to action what's there are you know all of a sudden everyone gets to go ahead to return to practice or to to start their seasons um you know it's everyone wants to know exactly where they stand because if you leave it open-ended um it's just going to add a lot more pressure to to make that decision uh and you know it's just i think they, they have to probably figure this out sooner rather than later and he was also asked specifically you know, about the winter sport athletes getting that extra year of eligibility, as we said, uh, even though the reports suggest that may not happen from the NCAA level, it's still something lots of people are talking about in terms of uh, wondering if that's even an option at this point. And uh, here's what he had to say about that. Quote, I think that applies to a set of winter sports, and we'll just observe my view that we need to deal in a time-efficient manner with the spring sports situation There does need to be a conversation about the disrupted winter sports, which for us would include both men's and women's basketball, swimming and diving, gymnastics, and equestrian. I don't have the answer to that right now, even in my mind. We have, with some sports that play their entire regular season, uh, swimming and diving, indoor track and field, but had their national championship disrupted. Uh, We had some that completed their conference championships as well in women's basketball. They had the whole tournament, not just a national championship event in front of them. And then, you know, men's basketball, gymnastics, and equestrian had more disruption. I know that's an agenda item nationally. I don't have a prediction right now, just like with spring sports. I'm certainly open to the conversation but I think spring sports needs to move forward in a time-efficient manner. Perhaps there's a deeper look into what happened with uh, what happens with uh, winter sports eligibility, end quote. So I think that's where you kind of understand seemingly um, without him, you know, he's not saying that there's not going to be um, that extra year of eligibility for winter sports, but it does make it pretty clear um, that the, the focus, it seems, is on the, the spring sport athletes and figuring that part out as quickly as they can. And he followed up on, on that question, actually, um, about, you know, the scholarship limits. What what would be the ramifications of, of scholarship limits if you do grant that extra year for winter athletes, um, and he basically pretty much said the same thing in terms of following up on that. Um, he said, quote, that's eight pages of analysis our conference compliance staff has conducted, includes those issues and more, and I think people have identified those outwardly as, well, what are we going to do about scholarship limits? What are we going to do about those who sign with certain expectations? So there are a number of sensitivities here that merit the kind of discussion that I know is occurring right now. Again, my encouragement is that be, that to be done in a, in a relatively time-efficient manner, and given that there's eight pages of information, you can imagine there's a pretty deep analysis that can be taken by those who can who spend time on the compliance issues every day, end quote. So I think that pretty much just just shows that, um, you know, the scholarship limits, something they're thinking about uh, because it's something they have to think about. Um, Because as we said, when you look at recruiting um, and you think about, okay, you bring back an entire set of athletes that were were already on scholarship uh, and then you're adding to it, um, what what do you do with the scholarship limits and what are the changes that are made there, um, you know, specifically as he's saying, 
probably just looking at it from a spring sport perspective, although the question was asked in, in the scope of, of winter sport athletes. But uh, there are lots of layers to this, as we said, and I, and I don't think there's necessarily a perfect answer on on what exactly that process is going to look like right now. Um, although you would think, just based on, on looking at all of it, um, it, you know, the priority seems to be looking at, at the spring sport athletes right now, figuring that part of the equation out, and maybe you know revisiting the winter sport part of this um, in terms of are they going to get that extra year of eligibility, even though the reports seem to suggest that that's not going to be a possibility, um, which could be you know uh, basically based around the logistical issues of doing that. Um, but uh, we'll see because the eligibility, I just think that is. And, and look, I, I think it's at least you know optimistic and, and a positive way to look at it is that. I think Greg Sankey understands it, and you would probably think that a lot of other conference commissioners understand it, and the NCAA does as well, uh, in terms of, of knowing that this has to be something that uh, is figured out you know, in a rather efficient manner. And you heard him say that multiple times, uh, especially for these spring sport athletes, because uh, they've got to have an idea of what you know their – their season's going to look like what their career's going to look like uh, here once things do, you know, resume in terms of uh, seasons and all that. So um, perhaps we will we'll undoubtedly, you know, probably get a, a much clearer answer on that part of the equation uh, maybe before uh, we know exactly on the winter sport uh, part of it. Uh, again, even though it seems at this point uh, the focus is on uh, the spring sport athletes uh, rather than, than getting that extra year of eligibility uh, for the winter sport athletes, uh, even with um, their seasons ending uh, the way that it did. But uh, coming up, uh, we will go into uh, the focus again on football what do teams do if uh, the season were to to get pushed back? Or what do teams do if they're not able to practice for several months? And how does that affect uh, the start of the college football season? We'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On SEC is a great way for your local business to reach passionate sec fans just like you unlike any other podcast locked on gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners but not just any podcast listener a locked on podcast listener so if your company wants to connect with sec fans and a predominantly male audience that is well educated with disposable income then let's put your company right here on this locked on podcast Local fans love to support local businesses, so just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are, and we'll get our team uh, to help you achieve your Locked On advertising success. Once again, just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising, and we look forward to hearing from you. And some of the other things uh, that Greg Sankey had to say on his teleconference on Wednesday. Um, Again, football was a main focus uh, when it comes to spring practice and uh, the issues with eligibility. But one of the other things he did mention uh, before we look at a couple other football items, um, talking about the, the rescheduling of events uh, on host campuses. Cecil Hurt, uh, who obviously uh, does a, a terrific job uh, covering Alabama, um, he asked the question about uh, the rescheduling of those, those events based on, you know, Alabama was set to host 
uh, the softball uh, championship? And how do these events that were scheduled on, you know, to, to be hosted on specific campuses, um, what's the rotation like? Do those do those teams just all of a sudden miss out and go back to the end of the line uh, before it comes back around to them again? And uh, Greg Sankey made it clear that uh, he doesn't think that that's going to be the case. And here's what he said on that. Quote, uh, I'll say definitely, I don't think it's wait another 14 years. We have a championship working group that's one of our standing committees and through our staff meetings virtually this week. Uh, we've already signed the, to them the consideration of the rotation. Uh, and he said, Cecil, you're in Tuscaloosa, obviously, and softball was scheduled to be hosted by the University of Alabama. We just don't automatically right now put things forward. Uh, that's a conversation with our membership, but I'm also confident we're not going to be waiting 14 years for that opportunity to come back around. So uh, that that is something, too, like we said, that, um, you know, obviously there are certain programs that are going to be impacted by that. So when you have, you know, teams that, that are scheduled to host uh, events like that, you know, like Alabama was in terms of hosting the, the SEC softball tournament, um, you know, that that's something that, that was a question that, that I think people, that was on the minds of people, because, again, these are events that uh, you only get, uh, you know, every so often. And so uh, looking at it, uh, I don't think, you know, they're probably going to find a way to tweak that schedule, um, just like they're going to have to make adjustments on a lot of other things. Uh, but you would think that they're not automatically just going to say, well, you know, this happened, you have to go all the way back behind all the other teams at this point uh yeah you just can't you can't see that uh, being the case uh because it just wouldn't be uh, fair really when you when you think about uh, how uh, things unfolded with this particular situation but um he did sort of uh finish up the teleconference there there were lots of questions again on football um and he was asked that, about the possibility of teams not starting practice until let's say may or june um and what the the effect that would be and you would know you know that's something that that i know teams are already thinking about and um okay let's say that, that we don't start practice until may or june um then what you know does, does the season start as normal uh at the end of august early september uh, or are there changes made there and greg sankey did address some of those uh when asked about uh the possibility of practice not starting uh for several months Here's what he had to say on that. Quote, uh, what I'd say is let's not just define some structure. I'm confident, in fact, if we're not able to practice further this spring, I'm confident that we'll be seeking opportunities to make sure our teams are adequately prepared heading into the season. Elements of that are going to be guided by the public health realities in front of us. By way of background, our athletic directors now have a daily conference call. We took Sunday off this past weekend, but we've spoken for an hour or more every day identifying issues. I expect we'll have a smaller group from our campuses examine issues around out-of-season practice in football and soccer and volleyball to think about as we turn the page, head to the next chapter of 2020-2021, given what's occurred the disruption that's occurred, how do we best allow our teams and support our teams in preparation? So that's, I don't mean to be obtuse in that answer. It's just we're dealing with a lot of these undefined circumstances, but know in our mind is how do we help our teams adequately prepare in advance of the fall season, end quote. So you have to understand, and I think everyone understands, uh, the circumstances are different and the circumstances are changing daily. Um, so it makes it hard for, for Greg Sankey or any other conference commissioner to know exactly what to say to, to some of this because um, we're, we're playing hypothetical scenarios in everything that we talk about with the situation uh, because we know right now at least that that April 15th date that we talked about earlier, that's the only 
date that we know at this point to be able to say, okay, we know there's not going to be anything of any sort in sports practices, uh, events, or anything until that date for sure. Now, as we said earlier, um, that's probably an optimistic uh, date at this point, and that the reality is it's probably going to be a bit longer, uh, but we don't know when that's going to be. And I think that makes it hard for Greg Sankey and everyone to be able to answer these questions and say, okay, well, if, if practice doesn't start until May or June, um, we already have these contingency plans in place to be able to say, okay, we're going to add some different elements, as he said, uh, in terms of, of finding maybe other ways to, to – Add more practice opportunities before the start of the season. Uh, there's just there's no way of knowing right now. And so, and to follow up on that, he was asked about you know what are the potential alternative plans for the football season itself? Uh, because again, as we mentioned earlier too, um, there's there's no guarantee at this point that uh, college football season is going to start um, as it usually does in the same uh, time frame. So that also adds uh, another. Uh, another element to it in terms of okay well well how do you how do you look at it let's say if the season's moved back a month or two or is it possible to move it back a month or two um or what's that going to look like i just there's so many different questions um and that's why you know we we look at this and and all these answers i think that he's given and you've heard it in his quotes um are that basically he can't give give a guaranteed answer on any of these uh, but he can tell you how they're approaching it, and that's really all we have to go on at this point. But on the uh, the topic of, of potentially looking at uh, a, a, an altered you know football season, uh, here's what he said on that quote: "Our focus is on preparing for the 2021 academic year, the fall seasons as currently scheduled." So there's a period on the end of that sentence. Well, obviously, I think about everything going forward because we're being guided by public health information in decision making. But my hope is we can return to our normal organized activities, our normal experiences, and be part of that celebration around soccer or volleyball, cross country, and football in the fall. But we'll have to see, end quote. So that sums it up, I think, right there. Everyone can be optimistic, uh, try to look at it in terms of, of thinking that, that right now, as scheduled, everything uh, will begin as usual um, when the football season starts in, in the new academic year. But uh, right now, we don't know that that's going to be the case. And um, I think it, it's probably still even a little bit early to, to look at it and think, okay, well, how exactly does the SEC and other conferences approach this? How does the NCAA approach it? Um, if you know seasons are, are changed, if start dates are changed on seasons, um, and then it's a matter of okay, well, did teams, you know, get enough practice time in? Are, are they going to be able to, to have uh, the amount of practice they usually do before a season starts? And so, uh, so many different aspects to it, as you can tell from this teleconference. And and again, these were just a, some of the quotes that, that he had on there. This was a pretty detailed teleconference in terms of uh, lots of other questions were asked as well. Uh, but these were the main ones that, that you kind of heard. Topics um, have all been surrounding, um, you know, in the SEC, we know, spring football, um, how it's impacted and the eligibility um, for the athletes, uh, for not just you know athletes uh, in winter sports, but also uh, for the ones who who had their entire seasons canceled in the spring sports. And uh, those are topics that not only SEC will continue uh, to discuss uh, on a daily basis here moving forward, uh, but everyone else as well until uh, there are some until there's more clarity uh, on what the NCAA is going to do. Some of these uh, specific situations surrounding the sporting events, uh, practices, and uh, eligibility uh, for athletes. But uh, 
That'll wrap up uh, this episode of Locked On SEC Podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Head over any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked On SEC. And again, if you enjoy the show, uh, be sure to leave a nice five-star rating and review. That just helps the show reach more people. Uh, for everything else, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level. And uh, again, if you're excited for the upcoming NFL Draft, and you want some fantastic coverage on it, uh, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL Draft for great uh, NFL Draft coverage. But uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC Podcast, part of Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs>